Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. If any of you are users of social media, you might know of that hashtag, Climate of Fear, which sometimes uh, arises and becomes quite common. And as the news media report, many of our Latino brothers and sisters might be living in fear at this time of being rounded up and deported or of being targeted by mass murdering gunmen such as those who perpetrated massacres last weekend in, in Texas and uh, Ohio. Now one could talk about the politics, but I want to avoid that. Each one of us will have our own sincerely held views about the right way to bring about a peaceful society, uh, uh, etc. But I'm sure we can all agree and we can all recognize that there is a real problem in our nation in, in which mass shootings are all uh, too common. I'm sure we all love our nation and have ideas for what our nation should be. But we should recall what a nation's purpose is. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church is rather enlightening in this regard in its paragraphs 56 and 57, when it says as follows. After the unity of the human race was shattered by sin, God at once sought to save humanity part by part. The covenant with Noah after the flood gives expression to the principle of the divine economy toward the nations. In other words, toward men grouped in their lands, each with its own language, by their families in their nations. This state of division into many nations is intended to limit the pride of fallen humanity, united only in its perverse ambition to forge its own unity as at Babel. But because of sin, the idolatry of the nations and of its rulers constantly threatened this provisional economy with the perversion of paganism. In other words, the division of the human race into nation-states is part of the divine plan, but contrary to the one-world view that is uh, put out there these days. The division into nation-states is part of the divine plan to save mankind nation by nation. It is the pride of rulers and the idolatry of citizens that frustrates this divine plan. I happen to notice that it was 53 years ago, last July 30th, that Congress directed that the motto, In God We Trust, should appear on all American currency. And it could be said that for a nation to place its trust in God encapsulates the will for that nation. Yet, when have you heard, in the last week or so, a political figure ask, how are we aligning ourselves with the laws of God? I haven't. After Mass yesterday, someone said, oh, I have. I was good. But praise be to God. Could it be that the fact that we have turned away from God might have something to do with the increasing divisions in our society? I was just recently listening to a podcast of a conference given by the soon-to-be-blessed Fulton Sheen, in which he speaks about how the work of division is the work of the devil, diabolic. And that word di di diabolic comes from diabolain, apparently, which means to divide into two. You think of the word dialogue, that's 
conversation between two people. A monologue is a conversation between one person. So diabolical, diabolane, is to divide. And Satan seeks to divide the church into left and right, conservative, liberal, seeks to divide nations, seeks to divide families, even seeks to divide individuals within themselves. And when words and actions are evaluated according to the latest notion of what is hate speech, rather than objective good and evil, according to the moral law, how can American society live united? Simply to assert the moral truths revealed by God and his church, or written in the laws of human nature, is to risk being accused of hate speech. The idolatry of a nation is turning away from God and by implication turning towards the devil, has profound effects upon the spiritual well-being of its citizens. The moral well-being of society's members is bound to be adversely affected if that society tolerates or even approves of the murder of 3,000 innocent unborn children every day. A society that tolerates or even approves of a child being raised by two mummies or two daddies. Or to exposing children in its public libraries to the perversion of drag queen shows. is a society that has embraced idolatry. And its children will very likely grow up confused at the very least. Or mentally disturbed. And with possible graver consequences for their eternal salvation. And the perpetrators of the recent massacres may well have been victims themselves, victims of a dysfunctional family background, educated in prejudice and deprived of an education in the Christian faith that promotes love for one's neighbor, or not being educated at all, but falling victim to games on computers or the internet that promote violence and hatred, not being taught about forgiveness, and hope for personal redemption. Our Lord draws our attention today to what it is that we should hope for. Whatever fears we might experience at a human level, if we are faithful members of his little flock, and if he is our shepherd, then whatever the state of the earthly kingdom or nation in which we live, we will be confident in the hope of inheriting the heavenly kingdom. Our Lord says, gird your loins and light your lamps and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding. Girding one's loins means being ready for action, smartening oneself up, tucking one's tunic under one's belt and tightening it, getting ready for action, always ready to do the work of the Lord. Having our lamps lit is achieved by not leading a life in the darkness of sin and error. We have both the light of reason and the light of faith showing us what to do and what to avoid. The loins also being the lower part of the body might also mean curbing our lusts, our sinful desires, whether they be lust for the flesh or for money or for food or for fame, the pride of life, all that leads to pride, which as the Catechism reminded us, was the reason humanity was divided into nations. None of us knows when 
or how the Lord will come for us. We may die of natural causes, we may die a violent death, whether of martyrdom or at the hands of someone disturbed, or through some natural disaster. Uh, I and a group of pilgrims felt we came very close to that two years ago as we were celebrating Mass together in the crypt of the Basilica of St. Benedict in Norcia, in Italy, uh, during which, just before communion, the whole place shook violently. The lights went out and we were taking cover for our lives and we thought that was it. Um, Well, it wasn't, as you can see. Uh, but it helps us to be ready for the next time. In fact, just three days later, that crypt and the church above it came crashing down when another earthquake uh, struck Nortia, which was felt even in Rome. The Lord might come in the second watch, that of youth, or the third watch, that of adulthood. At either time, we are liable to be judged, for we, at that age, have attained the use of reason. And so we are able to discern good from evil. Our Lord does not refer to the first watch, that of infancy. For should death come to a child, the child will be innocent. You know how a child left to its own devices would open the door to anyone who knocks at that door. And you have to take care that the child doesn't do so, for he could open to a stranger. But if the Lord returns from the wedding feast of heaven and knocks at the door of a child's heart, the child immediately opens and receives the Lord with love. We who find ourselves in the second or third watch of our lives, but lacking that innocence of the child, must similarly live in a permanent state of awaiting the Lord's return, ensuring that we are ready at any time. Which is one reason, of course, why the Church recommends frequent confession. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more, our Lord tells St. Peter in today's Gospel. He doesn't mention anyone being entrusted with just a little. None of us has been entrusted with a little. We have all been entrusted with much, and maybe some of of us with more than much. So much is expected of all of us. And what is it that we have been entrusted with? The great treasure of our Catholic faith, which is not to be kept to ourselves, but to be shared with others. Is there someone in your family or among your acquaintances whom you could invite to be a member of or to return to, once again, the little flock of Jesus to whom the Father wishes to give the kingdom? Or if you are older and less able than you were in the past, could you at least pray for the return of those who have left the flock and that others will join Jesus' little flock? Whether we are in the second or the third age of our lives, let us all be found watching when the Lord returns.